I uh, teach people on Twitter. I create threads. I create articles. Just basically give value. That's how you build your name, build your brand. And in general, in life, once you want to get value, first give value for free and help people. And that's how I basically built my brand. GM, GM, everyone. My name is Tagachi. Welcome back to Scraping Bits. I'm here with Johnny Time. How's it going, man? Awesome. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. It's, it's great to have you on. We've had great conversations in the past. You've done tremendous things, made massive strides, uh, especially with content creation, uh, teaching a lot of people to get to that next step. A segue is basically, what do you do? Um, um, yeah, so my name is Johnny. Uh, goes by Johnny Time. If you don't know, either on Twitter or on YouTube, mm-hmm. also on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, so I'm do smart. I'm doing smart contract auditing. I'm cybersecurity uh, researcher of uh, twelve years experience in traditional cybersecurity. Also mm-hmm. got some quite experience in blockchain development, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solidity, and shifted to Web three security around two years ago mm-hmm. um, so I have uh, I founded Ginger Security together with my partner Gershon we offer smart contract audits and I also create a lot of content education and um, educational content on YouTube uh, I have my YouTube channel Johnny Time where I create a lot of educational content about DeFi about smart contract hacking auditing mm-hmm. and such and I have launched this smart contract hacking course in the Blockchain Security Academy around three months ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's going pretty well. The students are super, super happy with the, the course, with the, the community. They have some awesome results. They show them on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a lot of like very positive uh messages and reviews and they they definitely love it. So I'm glad to contribute to the space in education. I've been doing education all my life um, in my military service in the IDF back then in 2013, mm-hmm. I was the graduate of the first cybersecurity course in the IDF. And then okay. I I was chosen to be commander and teacher. So I basically trained the next generation of cybersecurity defenders. This was traditional cybersecurity. I did, I started my education journey back then, teaching journey. And since then I did it in many more places. If it's in the private sector, after I finished the service, if it's in foreign countries, I was sent to manage and uh, teach courses, build materials, exercises in traditional cybersecurity, you know, all this kind of like stuff of like designing uh, networks, attack scenarios, also uh, how to find, you know, incident response, how to find the attack, a bit of um, malware analysis, and and this was what this is what I was doing for like ten years, like cybersecurity yeah. education. And in the last two years, I shifted it into Web three security education because I do believe that there is the, the, the future is there. There is a lot of like uh, potential in DeFi and cybersecurity there. And yeah, I think I've talked too much, so I will let you ask <laughs> more questions before because I have a lot of things to to explain yeah. and describe. Yeah. We love, we love all that information. It's really interesting that your background is with the IDF, of, um, so the Israel Defense Force. Um, so did you really, did you choose to get into teaching or was it kind of like assigned to you? Um, yeah, how did that go about? So the way that it goes, it's actually a very interesting question because um, initially I didn't choose to go for teaching. Uh, okay. Usually the the staff, they, they basically ch- they offer the students, the best students to come and do the teaching. Uh, initially, okay. I didn't want to because there was some kind of like lucrative units that I wanted to reach. Oh, okay. And then I reached some kind of a specific unit actually in the Navy, um, okay. in the cybersecurity unit of the Navy. I've mm-hmm. I've done that for one year. So I've been in like, a, I've built the whole SOC operation. There wasn't SOC back then. I, oh, wow. So I helped to build this like a SOC operation and the security for the network, mm-hmm. this particular network. And these are things that I cannot talk about much because it's classified. Yeah. But then after one year, uh, the, they 
basically were searching. I mean, I wanted to do something else. I wanted to try education mm-hmm. and it was, there was a vacancy They They really, ser- they also searched for like a teacher or commander mm-hmm. for the course. And it was perfect. And I just changed my unit and I moved to, to teach the course. Very interesting that you're teaching cybersecurity in a military. I think that is probably the best credential you could probably have <laughs> in cybersecurity. Um, <laughs> So I, yeah, and I mixed. not only teach, I also, I mean, I did one year of like practical in, in cybersecurity yeah. unit, you know, like, so I, I got the practical experience and I got the teaching experience. And to be honest, I learned much more while teaching. I, I gotta say, and we also have some kind of competition, uh, like CTF, you know, but cybersecurity CTF. So imagine you have like a huge room one full day and mm-hmm. you have a lot of tables. Every table is like a group of like three or four people from different units. Yeah. And it's like 20 teams that are all participating and trying to hack a network or capture flex. You know, it's like, like DeFi CTF, but in uh, computer networks, you know, you need to hack machines to jump from one web server to another s- server yep. to jump between segments of the network and eventually to achieve uh, all the flags. And the funny story is that we were a team. We participated as a team of all the the commanders against all the oh, other yeah. units. So it was <laughs> yeah. Navy, Air Force, you know, all it was like 20 teams, different units. And yeah. we took the first place, the teachers, the, 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 the commanders of the course, the ones who doesn't, you know, people, people usually say, say that uh, the teachers that don't have the actual experience or like they go to teach because they don't know how to do the job. But eventually yeah. we showed that we, we were the best. And, and I learned so much more just in this uh, unit of that educate and teach, because once you teach something, you need to know it like hundred percent and be sure yeah. and do the research very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, in order to teach you, you have to be a master at it or at least be insane, like really comprehensive in it where you can basically simplify any complex, any complex topic and convey it to the person you're teaching and make them understand in a very concise way. Um, basically relaying information as easy as possible. Um, so Having said that, I guess what are like sort of the the techniques to teach effectively? Um, and I'm sure you've uh, applied this to your course and you've learned it over the years in the military and even now you're still learning. Um, but I guess what are the core things that make you uh, an effective teacher? It's a very good question. And actually, before you teach in the IDF, you go through a course, one and a half month of how to be a commander and a teacher. And they teach you seven things, seven Okay. Seven things. Now, I don't remember all of them, but let's see what I can recall. So first of all, you know, it's like front, uh, frontal teaching. So it's like in a classroom. I used to teach a lot in like in front of students, like 30 people, 40 people in a classroom. Okay. So they say one of the most important thing is excitement. You should be excited about what you're talking about. And once mm-hmm. you're excited, the student is going to be excited and is going to listen to you more. Okay. Yeah, there is on. also a lot of um, tips about, so every subject that you talk about, you should be super excited and interested about. If you're not, it will be the difference between like, okay, let's say I want to teach about re-entry attacks so I can teach about yeah, reentry attacks. There, are, it's some kind of attacks in smart contracts. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, this is like without excitement yeah. and with excitement. So reentry attacks is a very interesting attack when it comes to smart contracts, and it leads mm-hmm. to millions of dollars being. You know, you, you see the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is like the excitement. Uh, there are some tricks of how to play it with with your voice, so yep. you can you can you you cannot have the same tone tonality all the time. So yeah. so the interesting thing about reentry attacks, so you go up and down with your voice to make it more interesting. Yeah, uh, all all these kind of things I learned in the course, and you learn them once you teach more. You learn the techniques. Uh, use your hands. So. If you just, I cannot show you right now because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know you cannot see in the frames. But uh, when you speak, you talk with your hands. You you basically mm-hmm. your your whole body expressing what you are saying. Uh, yeah, eyes, yeah. you keep eyes eye contact. It's it's a bit different than like content creation in YouTube because you don't have the audience and the, the students. But you yeah. keep eye contact eye contact with your students sometimes, or ask them questions, make them be active. So instead mm-hmm. of just talking about 
replay attacks, I would just ask, all right, guys, take a look at this uh, code snippet and tell me what's the problem here? What do you think? How would you exploit it? Or like anyone knows mm-hmm. what, how accounts works in the EVM. Just, yeah. you know, because once you activate their brain, they are like thinking, they are active participants, they are active learners and not just listening, listening, listening. It's, so these are just some points. Uh, there is also movement. You move around the class. You don't stay in a single spot. So yeah. it's like seven uh, rules of thumb that once you follow them, your teaching level goes like beyond. Really but this is something that we can talk of one one hour talk you know just how to public speak and how to teach for sure yeah they go hand in hand and it's a skill right it's not something you just kind of like naturally i mean you can be naturally gifted but it's something you can also develop and that's obviously why they were teaching that i think it's a perfect skill and credentials to have to basically create this course in web3 where you're teaching security um you've onboarded the best um to take part as guest lecturers, you've had Trust, Owen, Byteso32, and Pajov. Hopefully I said that name right. These are like the elite in Web3 and they're, they're featured on your, your course. And hundreds of people are using this course. And I remember when I first saw it, I actually bought it instantly because I, I was super hyped as well. But basically, why did you, you start this? Um, why did you choose to do teaching in Web3 as well? And how did you really like build this course from the ground up? Yeah, so it's you, know, you asked some very good questions. First, if it's a skill or you can learn it, I definitely believe that. I mean, if it's a skill or something that you are gifted with, it's like some some or something that you can achieve. Mm-hmm. I believe that er, anyone can learn how to teach, and anyone can learn how to public speak. They need to want it. They need to like it. And if you like something, you can do it. That's that's my belief. Whatever you like, whatever you have passion to do, you can do mm-hmm. it. Either if it's smart contract auditing, cybersecurity, or public speaking, you know, just yep. go and, and work and practice. It's a skill. You can practice. And more than that, every once in a while, in the core, you know, in when I learn how to teach and also during when I'm teaching, we, we come to each other classes and with a notebook and we give feedback to each other. So when I teach, let's say I teach like a web application hacking in front yeah. of the students, I have my other colleague that is sitting there and is like checking, okay, how I enter the class, how I, mm-hmm. do I use my hands enough? How is my excitement level? Oh, here mm-hmm. I, I missed a student that was, uh, I don't know, he wasn't focused, you know? Yeah. So it's a skill that you improve every time and I saw how I improved the skill. This mm-hmm. is one. About a course, yeah, we have all kinds of awesome goats web tree people on board this is awesome because i want to give the most amount of value to the student and i know that okay i have my experience i Mm -hmm. am good at public speaking and teaching and education but if they can learn more from other awesome professionals my goal was to bring them on board so they can show their experience they can the students can learn from them from the best and and i'm happy that those people were um on the same mindset and they mm-hmm. were willing to join and this is amazing and everyone is happy. So I'm happy as well. And what was the, the last question? Sorry. The um, main question. How did you go Why about building this and building it from the ground up? And what was that pro- process like? Yeah, it's a very good question. So it's like, it's like a startup. It's like a project, you know, yeah. there is nothing and you have an idea, you have a vision and mm-hmm. the whole idea and vision and then it started for me, start basically learning. I, I was, I, myself, I wanted to shift from web two security to web three security. Because I see there is lack of talent. There's a lot of hacks going on. A lot of money is on the stake, you know, unlike cyber, traditional cybersecurity, where people hack databases, information networks here. When you hack a contract, that's it. The money is gone. You yeah. can anonymously uh, steal the fund using like mixtures like Tornado Cash and such and, you know, get your money and that's it. It's gone. So I, I was motivated to go all in into Web3 security. And then I started obviously learning myself. And I went through different tutorials and videos and articles and GitHub repositories. Mm -hmm. And it was all over the place. And then I thought, okay, it's good. It means that there is a lot of things to contribute here because we are in the beginning. So probably there are not that many people that are doing that. And if Mm -hmm. I come now, I can make it better. I can make it bigger. And one of the uh, things that I saw lacking is like 
structured education process, yep. structured, practical education process. And I said, this is a match. I, I, re- I literally woke up some morning and I thought like, I believe in God and I like, okay, God, I know what you want me to do. This is my goal. This is what, what I'm going to do. I'm going to improve the education in the space and create a complete practical course A to Z Mm-hmm. Taking all my experience of like 10 years of education in cybersecurity and apply it to Web3 security, you know, because mm-hmm. I also believe in learn by doing, learn Fair. by practicing every course that I teach, either if it's in the IDF, in the private sector or later on Singapore, this is another story. Mm-hmm. Always it's like 30%, you know, lecturing and teaching concepts and 70% hacking practical experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I used to teach people about, um, SQL injection, yeah, I teach them the concept. I show them some examples, some demos, but then they sit three hours on their ass and they are trying to hack websites with different kinds of SQL injection. And I wanted to apply the same method because I know that it works the best and that's how Mm -hmm. you create ninjas to Web3 smart contract hacking. And this is exactly what I did. I built something from scratch with the same concepts, same education concepts that I know to Web3 security. So you have like a lecture where you Mm -hmm. learn a concept, let's say access control vulnerabilities, right after you have four exercises where you need to sit and break your your head around them Mm-hmm. And, you know, observe this knowledge while, while doing so. You've had to go through that process of doing it all yourself as well. So you, I guess when you're looking back at it, you know, the exact path to take to get to that point, the fastest, right? Right. Um, and I guess that's how you bring that sort of structure to the course as well. Um, since you've done it, you know how to get there fastest and you can convey that in a way that it's so efficient and so concise that you actually get them faster than if you were to do it again. Um, exactly, exactly. And it's funny that, you know, the we have a repository of all the exercises of the course. So mm-hmm. initially, when I started this repository, it was for me to learn smart contract hacking. So mm-hmm. I learned access control. Okay, I searched all over the web for exercises or attacks that happened where the vulnerability was lack of access control. And I did mm-hmm. it on my local machine. You know, I just, I took the smart contract and then I, I wrote the test and I tried to hack it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, let's convert. Okay. Okay, I did it. I learned it. Let's let other learn it. So let's make out of it an exercise. So that's how it started. Actually, yeah. I, I I learned myself. I created this repository because this is also high. I learned the best. I can read two yeah. hours or watch ten videos about access control. That's not enough. You need to actually do it with your own hands. Oh yeah. And then I converted this repository to exercises repository. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the the infamous exercises repository that all the students are now taking. It started from like. They won't see the commit because it's like I just copied the, the exercise to another repository for the student. But the first commit, it was like learn access control vulnerabilities or okay, like learn yeah. some other kind of vulnerabilities. It's funny. Learning step by step, like different kind of attack vectors and then basically making proof of concepts um, and then building your own exercises and then applying it. Right. Right. And then after that, you turned it into an exercise, um, more concise with basically step by step. Okay. How do I? This is what you have to do, but turning it into like a format where you could basically produce other hackers. And yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting because I did the same thing um, with my articles when I was learning about cold data. I was actually learning step by step as well. And I was like, okay, how do I like keep note of this? And then I started building an article actually just for my own personal benefit. But it just turns out that I did such great research on it that I could convey it to anyone that reads it for the first time in a very simple way. And they understand it the first read. Um, and somehow that kind of blew up my reputation. Um, so I, that's the same thing with, that happened with you as well. Like your course and your, your education has, has really like boosted your reputation. Um, and I'm sure your network as well. But during building this course, what were the, the difficulties of really building it? Um, like the process, like what were the hardest things that you've encountered while, while building this course? Uh, the difficulty is that you're doing something new, like a startup. You're doing something from scratch. First of all, I never built an online course from scratch. I did mm-hmm. create, um, I did create like uh, YouTube videos. I did teach a lot, but I never like, 
I never created a course, you know, A to Z. Like, so it starts from the syllabus, you know, what, what should be mm-hmm. inside? What should be outside? Is it too much? Is it too, not enough? You yeah. know, this is one difficulty. Decide what's going to be in the curriculum of the course. Mm-hmm. Then obviously it's tons amount of hours of work. I'm working on this course for one year already. It's like, you know, yeah. when, before it lands, it's, it's several months where I just. Was that full time? Yeah. So, yeah. So initially I had like a part-time job in a web three company as a consult, cons, consultation, consultor, mm-hmm. uh, consultation job. Yep. One day a week. And also we had some audits in ginger security, but I, I, so it, it depends on the month, but it yeah. was like the majority of the time I invested on the course. So it was like yeah, yeah. almost like full time part-time pl- like half-time plus plus i would say mm-hmm. and the more we got to the launch date of the course and the the, the timeline and the schedule was more pressuring then I, I i made more time for the course because i had to to launch it on time i don't know if you remember yeah, we lie. sold it before it was launched yeah we sold it before it was launched and there was a deadline you got a chance to buy it cheaper like before it's launched because you show like belief in the course and like you you know so it's like obviously like early bird ticket kind of sale and then on march it launched and and you know the i would say that february was the most stressful month february march you know like you know, finally finishing up all the lectures, all the exercises and launching it on time. It was very challenging. So this was mm-hmm. another challenge. Another challenge is like, you know, how do you do like course online? What platform to use? You know, mm-hmm. like you record the videos. What if there is like something that you are not happy about? Re-record them. The exercises, how do I make sure that the students are not getting uh, too many hints or is it too hard, too, too easy? It's a lot mm-hmm. of different, you really need to think through and design it. Yeah, you choose the platform, where to host the videos. How do you fight piracy? This is another thing. You work so much yeah. on it and s- some people just, download it for free or like, okay, what other value do we give them apart from the course? So mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense just to, to try to search it partly because they also get community. They also get certificate. All these kind of things are extra perks, extra bonuses that they get. Yep. And the more it's more fun through the platform because it has like some kind of gamification, you complete classes, yeah. you mark them, okay. you see your progress bar. So it's a lot of things that wouldn't make sense to, to do it partly. And um, mm-hmm. why it's just, just smaller. It, there are so many challenges also. Okay. It's a decision to make, you know, time is valuable. And once you do something like this, you think, okay, what if there will be only 10 students buying? What if the, it's not that interesting? It's like new market. It's something that no one did before. Uh, I don't mean talk about courses, but courses for Web3 security. So mm-hmm. I don't know why, what, what if it's not going to be good? You know, you have all these questions yeah, around your, what if the, no one will be interested? What if like, syndrome. yeah, yeah. Like every other project, every other st- startup, it's, it's like a startup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and there was also like a some release backfire. I remember there was like a tweet, people kind of talking down on paid courses and Web3 because they're like, they were mentioning basically all the information is out there, which is correct, right? Like all the information is free, but the value is you've spent hundreds of hours building, doing this, basically catering for the person reading. Um, so you basically aggregated all the resources built some kind of system to teach this effectively. Um, and that's basically what they're paying for. So it's it's like value for time. Like, sure, they can go re- uh, basically do their own research, do it all for free, but that's going to take far longer than, you know, this very structured kind of source um, instead of like scattering different tabs, uh, not having like any real progress or yeah, pathway, they might diverge or, you know, it's, it's harder to stick to that. So that's where the value really is in, in courses and people like Johnny spend, you know, hundreds of hours on this stuff. Um, so it's really valuable. It's even if the price is, looks pricey, you've got to realize the amount of, you know, time they've put in their, their past credentials and, and like how, but yeah, basically how much time they've put in and, how well they've structured it. Cause Johnny's, you know, got a dozen years. Um, well, he's got years in, in the IDF and that's let alone 
in, in teaching in the IDF. And that, let alone, is incredibly powerful. You're, you're learning from a cybersecurity master that, that was basically teaching people the military, right? And good luck trying to find someone like that teaching for free on the internet, right? And then he's built this course for you uh, in a structured way with all this experience behind him. So just keep that in mind when buying a course. Uh, I think a lot of people don't want to buy courses because it looks pricey, but in the long run, it, it's really cheap for the information you're getting. Would you say that's kind of spot on? That's yeah, that's a very good points uh, that you said over there. Um, usually, I'm trying to shift my focus from like bad energy to good energy. That's why I had to react to this post. But you know, I said what I had to say, and I did. I don't want to engage in like more like conversations I, because I prefer to focus on on sure, good yeah, yeah. vibes and good energy. That's why also whenever we get a refund request, you know. Uh, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen barely. It barely yeah. happens. Actually, we okay. don't even like argue with a person that we have some, we have like maybe five or 10 refunds of students. Some of them took 50% of the course and they say, okay, we are not happy with the course. Okay. We don't even argue with them. We just immediately, okay, that's your refund. Get a full refund because we do believe that the course is so, so valuable. And we see also the, the, the reviews and the, the messages that I receive from people. I, I'm, I just, I have so many messages that I, people are thanking me. Thank you so much for this course. It's the best course I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. I got one message that said that I, I never paid for a course and this is my first Paris course and I'm super happy I've done that. And mm -hmm. next week I have an interview as a junior smart contract auditor. I wouldn't do it without your course. So wow. once you get these kind of messages, like, you know, 99% of the time, you mm -hmm. kind of ignore the negativity. This is, this is mm -hmm. my motto and this is how I, I, look at things. Yep. Now, what do you say about the, why, why would people pay such amount of money? We get also messages of people that say that they paid thousands of dollars for SANS cybersecurity courses, mm -hmm. and it doesn't come nearly to the level and quality of this course. And they're okay. shocked that so much value is being given to them for such low price. This is the kind of messages that we get. And I have like print screens and testimonials for so many people. Now, what you said is right. You can go and take the long path. It's okay. And I also am a self-learner and I like to learn from free resources like YouTube videos and articles and, and GitHubs. But I know for sure that if I had a chance back then to take something like this, like some kind of structured course like this, practical with exercises that mm -hmm. can take me for like complete beginner to intermediate level. And also I would get a chance to involve in a community and meet people and eventually also do a, some kind of test and get certificate, I would not think twice. I would just purchase it right away because I believe in buying time. I believe in like paying money to buy yourself time, outsourcing stuff. And if someone worked for me and did the whole course and someone with so many years of experience, you know, and if it can save me time, like two, three, four months of learning, and it can be even better experience for me, I would be more than happy to pay money for that, you know? And mm -hmm. this is what we're bringing. This is the product that we're bringing. We are basically making the learning time shorter, making the learning experience much better, giving you the opportunity to go through a community, learn, meet with people, engage with people that help you. Or maybe we have some people that are collaborating and doing auditing contents. We had other interesting opportunities in the community. Like yeah. uh, we have some students that are participating as interns in uh, audits for ginger security. Obviously it's a paid mm -hmm. position. They get money for that. Sometimes we bring um, small audits closed for the community where they can also earn money, mm -hmm. but it's mostly to test their skills and to get some practical experience. So if I would get all of that back then, when I started learning web tree security, it was a no brainer not to get a course. So th this is like the main value proposition as uh, I see it. And we also have some students that already made so much more money thanks to the skills they gained, or if yeah. they were participated as interns in general security, then the amount of money they paid for the course. Yeah. So, it's just a yeah. value like deal, like really, um, like the time you're saving is just remarkable. Um, but yeah, I just want to also touch on how did you really build this brand from scratch and how do you, how did you really get that first, client to to come in and take a risk you mean the course or ginger security 
Uh, both, because it's kind of the same, right? Like you're, you're building a brand and then you have to give them like trust and, you know, security and all that stuff. So how, how did you go about building a brand? And you've done a great job so far and it's obviously working. So let's see, let's hear it. <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, um, I created a website that represents the course. It got through uh, some kind of evolution. It already always got better. Mm-hmm. Um, I use my existing social uh, media channels, you know, like Twitter and LinkedIn and, and YouTube to tell to people about the course. Mm-hmm. And initially it was very, very like you know, it wasn't, there were some people who bought it. And, you know, I remember the first, second, third time that people actually purchased it before it's even ready. You know, initially we promoted it for $200 in the early bird sale. It -hmm. was like one week, the the last week of uh, 2022. And we got, I don't remember, maybe 20 or 30 people purchasing. And I was like, oh my God, I was shocked. People are actually paying money for me and they believe (laughs) in me and they don't get a course yet. It was like, I was, I, if I, this was my validation that, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something in the right path. People need it. People want it. And there is a demand for that. And it gave me even more motivation to continue and finish the course as soon as possible, because now I also have obligation to these people who paid, you know? So that's also one of the reasons that I did this early bird. It's also a a secret. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's some kind of trick to motivate me and to push me to finish the course because there is always, you can always do more. You can also, always add more subjects to the syllabus. You can always create more exercises to make the the slides look better, the edits better, but Mm -hmm. you need, it's like a startup. You need some kind of deadline. You need some kind of deadline. And the fact that I gave like a launch that it pushed me to really, you know, finish the creation of the course. If not, I could work on it for two years. It's like an artist, you know, you can, you can go and work on a painting for like, for three or four years. And it's something that happens to a lot of startups. Instead of ship the product, they just work and work and work and Mm -hmm. they don't validate it with the market. So I wanted to validate it with the market and it, I was able to validate it. And, and then it gave, it put me this deadline over my head that I have to deliver the course by this kind of date. Mm -hmm. And, and that's how it started. And then I, I started to mingle with people in the space and I, I, before actually I Andy interviewed it to his channel and I interviewed Pashov to my YouTube channel and mm. when I just started working on a course. And because I had those connections, I was able to bring this idea of like bringing collaborators to to work with me on the course or create some guest lectures and also become affiliates of the course mm-hmm. because I had these connections back then it was easier for me to approach people in the space and tell them, Hey guys, I'm building something that no one has built before. It's going to be great for the community. I have mm-hmm. a proposition for you. Do you want to join me? And that's where I reached out to trust, to Pashov, to Owen, yep. to uh, bytes 32 and they, they were on board because they, they saw through my vision, even though they are very, very busy people, you know, trust is he, super busy. His hourly rate is extremely high. And, you know, one mm-hmm. hour of trust is expensive. And yeah. he was willing to, to, to work on that and to see it and record lectures. And, and this is good. Also Pashov, uh, Pashov also, you know, very expensive hourly rate. Actually, to, yesterday we had a, a video call, like catch up. And there is also interview coming with Pashov, like part two. I was the first one who interviewed Pashov. And now we're going to do a part two, like to mm-hmm. observe how he progressed through this time and yeah, what yeah. kind of uh, news. And even like these, these like really top tier people, I'm sure they would like even get benefit from, from these uh, guest lectures as well. Um, like Pashov maybe listening to like trusts lecture um, and then the reverse, I'm sure they would also pick up some valuable insight. Yeah. I guess like let's, let's theoretically say that nobody has, nobody really knows you right before, before you've released this this course and you want to like build a name for yourself from the ground up. So basically start, let's say Twitter from scratch, your whole identity is from scratch. 
what, what would you do differently uh, to really like accelerate the, the rate I watch? To be honest, it's, yeah, it's going to be much more challenging for sure because yeah, once you have well. an identity and you have a brand, people trust you more. And actually when I started, I didn't have identity in Web3 security. My identity was in Johnny time. I had like 10K subscribers on YouTube, but I was teaching people mainly DeFi. I didn't teach them smart contract hacking and auditing. So yeah. I didn't have much identity identity in the web tree space. And I build it actually also from the ground. You know, I, when, when I started the YouTube channel, I basically taught people what I'm doing. So I was a DeFi user. I was exploring liquidity pools, AMMs, um, lending protocols. And I taught people, Hey, look, you can uh, deposit, I don't know, 10,000 uh, USDT in Aave, get 10% a year, then you can borrow ETH and you can take this ETH, put it on this and that protocol. So I taught them. And when I shifted my focus from DeFi to Web3 security, I shifted my channel, obviously, to teaching about Web3 security. So I just publish value, publish content, publish teach people about cybersecurity. I uh, teach people on Twitter. I create threads. I create articles. Just basically give value. That's how mm -hmm. you build your name, build your brand, and in general in life. Once you want to get value, first give value for free and help people. And mm -hmm. that's how I basically built my brand. And yeah, it helps obviously, because people trust you, people know you, people know that you know how to teach, how to simplify concepts. They know that you have the skills, the experience. So mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, definitely. You got to provide value to basically receive value, right? Uh, I think that goes with anything in life, whether it's, you know, building a startup, you've got to provide, you know, time and effort, just working hard. And then eventually it's going to pay off or hopefully, right? And then you get some value back in the long run. But I'm guessing that's the same thing with GingerSec, right? Like building that clientele, getting your name out there and providing high quality work to really get them on board and other people. Uh, is that is that kind of correct? Yes, definitely. With GingerSec, uh, we had uh, um, another value proposition uh, because both Gershon and I have plenty of years of experience in uh, traditional cybersecurity, like yep. IDF experience. And this is a very, like you said before, it's a very strong certificate. I was on the defense side. Gershon was on the attack side. Gershon was the one okay. who is creating malwares, attacking networks, you know, but both of us know how to think like black hats because I saw uh, live attacks and I defended against live attacks and Gershon was an attacker in like networks in like, Okay. You know, remote networks. So this is a very strong value proposition when you have this kind of real life experience, black hat experience and white hat experience. And when you come to projects and you tell them, look, we're like a team of hackers with years of experience and we have so many uh, credentials and testimonials, they are like, okay, that's interesting. Um, it's, it's also a bit like, uh, you know, fun, funny to say, but when you say like, uh, the, you are in Israeli and in the IDF, it's known that Israel is like IT yeah. and cybersecurity yeah, yeah. nation. And it's also helped in terms of the credentials. And it's also true because a lot of cybersecurity companies are started in Israel mm -hmm. and, you know, Checkpoint and Palo Alto is us but yeah there is a lot of cybersecurity startups and companies in israel because the idf is also known as like one of the best in cybersecurity and mm -hmm. um, so this also helped to build to get clients and to get our name out there and also actually before i knew that uh, owen is using the ppv paper vulnerability model we came up with this model without even knowing you know we just we wanted we we came up with this as well so we offered clients like base fee which is just to going through the code base and getting familiar with it and then we pay they pay per vulnerability so they pay only for every vulnerability that we found Mm -hmm. uh, by classification, easy, medium, and high. And this was no brainer for them. Like, okay, the risk, okay, only $2,000, but for every extra dollar that I pay, it's basically I save dollars that could be stolen for my protocol, for my users. So yeah. it was a very good model and they really liked it. And yeah, so 
these two value propositions were enabling us to get a decent amount of clients. And also mm -hmm. uh, Gershon went to a lot of conferences and met many founders and many uh, people in the space. Mm -hmm. It's also, and it's basically the more is like from personal connections and from people who recommend us. So mm -hmm. there is a client that was happy with the audit and he tell to another client and we get like leads and calls like that. And that's kind of how you build like a network. Um, you provide like great value and they just refer you to other people they know in their network. Definitely. Um, yeah. And for every audit, we, we try to, to, you know, to give the most amount of value and to find a lot mm -hmm. of vulnerabilities also in the mitigation process, even though we don't charge for the mitigation process, we are hundred percent there for the client to make sure that they uh, apply the, the fixes and the patches in the right way without leaving other vulnerabilities or creating new ones. Another thing is how do you really separate yourself from the competition? Let's say you're a new firm coming out with no basic prior experience slash no reputation yet because you just started, right? How would you go about, I guess, getting that initial client and then going from there? You mean like as an initial firm? Like yeah, a, yeah. a single smart audit, smart contract, private auditor or a firm? Yeah, yeah. Uh, smart contract auditor and firm. You still need to get that initial client, right? Yeah, it's it's a very good question and very like interesting one. I would say always focus on the value that you bring. So if it's initially to bring first, to bring value, even for free, go for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is also something that Owen shared in one of this video, how to lend your first client. Okay. Just give value, you know, go to a protocol and just audit the code or I don't know, um, take like some code. observation on the code, give them some tips, you know, reach out to the devs or to the protocol. Hey, I saw that you're doing here and there and just give value initially for free, either if it's directed to protocols or just um, on your channels. If it's like YouTube channel, Twitter account, articles. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just bring value and eventually offer your services and once you bring more value, you will get more exposure and sure, people yeah. will see your skills and qualities and eventually you can charge money for your skills and get clients. Mm -hmm, definitely. Another thing I wanted to touch on was within, well, while auditing right now, what, what do you think is kind of like missing from the space and what you wish you could have? Like if you could bring a tool into existence to make your experience as an auditor easier, what, what would you bring? I would say uh, it's something that I didn't explore much, but um, okay, I will compare it to Web2 Security. In Web2 Security, you have a tool called Burp, Burp Suit. Okay. It's a tool that basically it's a local proxy where you can set up and mm -hmm. every request that goes from your browser to the web server, you can capture and, and, and hold, you know, a proxy, you can say, okay, this request, don't let it go. And I want to look at it to observe it first. It's called local proxy. And it's very useful when you want to hack websites because okay. you can just, for example, let's say I have a website that I'm trying to search vulnerabilities in. I have some kind of overview of all the endpoints, all the API endpoints, all the resources, all the folders of the website, all yeah. the requests that my browser created. I can take particular requests, send it into in the intruder, and then mm -hmm. create some kind of brute force and send a lot of requests. If it's for enumeration or for a trying to guess a password or Hack some kind of authentication page. And this is something that I feel that we don't have in Web3 space, you know, some kind of tool that connects your local machine with a live blockchain and live protocol. So for example, I go to Uniswap or to SushiSwap, Mm -hmm. some kind of local proxy that will monitor my wallet and all the transaction that I send and then show them for me. It's very, will be very useful for bug hunting and bug bounties because mm -hmm. then you have an overview of Uniswap. You can uh, take every transaction and analyze it like in Burp, in web applications mm -hmm. and try to send different, different parameters and see how the smart contract reacts to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, this is just, it's a very interesting question. And this is something that just, jump into my head. It would be very cool if there is some kind of tool like that, mm -hmm. that is doing that. So just like something that you could just throw different inputs in, it gives you an output and you can just basically spam different ones. 
um, and see how it reacts in like a step-by-step process, right? Yeah, one, and also gives you some kind of like overview of like all the transactions, all the functionalities that you get through this DAP. Now, now direct, you can go directly to the contract and see all the functions, but- Like a control flow, right? It would be, yeah, some kind of control flow or like- Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also father, you can have a father inside, you know, you can have inside this tool. Um, either if it's like, okay, let's say it's a transaction that receives an amount you can search, you can basically send, I don't know, thousands of transactions with different amounts, fuzz it yourself, create some kind of ruling system. Yeah. So you're basically using that to find critical bugs, right? Do you really just focus on criticals or are you really looking for okay, what's inside the contracts within this contract? Or are you looking outside more in like game theory, um, whole context of the EVM and whatever's possible to interact with us? So what's your kind of approach with that? So every audit that we get first, the first focus is to find criticals, highs and mediums, because we believe that once we find this kind of vulnerabilities, we bring the most amount of value. It would be more interesting for the protocol and more, you bring more safety to the protocol. Once you reveal those criticals and highs, obviously, because you save money of users and protocols or you, you make sure the protocol, the smart contract won't be dosed and no one mm-hmm. will be able to use it forever. Mm-hmm. So this is more interesting. Um, yeah. But if we have some low issues, low severity or gas optimization, we also mention them. And eventually once we assemble the, the report, we add them as well. But the yeah. first focus, the first priority is criticals and highs to make sure that the contract is safe to use, that user funds are safe, that the protocol is safe. Right. And you mentioned that you go for criticals and highs first. So what is your strategy for finding, like identifying and developing these uh, critical vulnerabilities? The first two, depends how big is the code base, but the first days is re- really getting into the head and the mindset of the developer. So it's, right. it's basically running the tests, reading the docs, reading the solidity contracts from top to bottom, adding Let's comments right there, along there. the way. What if they had no docs and no tests? Then how would you go for it? Yeah, it happens sometimes. Then you have only your contracts to work with. So you mm-hmm. have to read the contracts again and again until you... It, it's very bad when they don't have it, but it happens sometimes. It's reality though. And yeah. then you work, you work with what you have. So if you have the okay. contracts, you just read the contracts and try to understand them. And... Mm-hmm. Once you have some kind of a good understanding of the protocol and what the dev was trying to achieve, what the dev was trying to do, then meanwhile you do it, you also leave some comments. So if you see something odd, like, I don't know, no check SFX interactions or like no access control or like they use some kind of um, signature or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. So you, you leave your comments and then you can come back and visit them. But once you know the protocol, you go to every process, every flow of the, the contract and see, try to think like an attacker. So, okay, mm-hmm. a normal transaction would look like, okay, user is taking X amount and then he's uh, getting some, let's say it's a staking contract. So user yeah. go through the stake function, he's take this amount of tokens, he supply the amount of tokens. Mm-hmm. Okay, what if he supply an amount that he doesn't put? Possess. Does the right. contract check that? Maybe I can just say that I stake thousand tokens, but I only own two hundred. Okay. Right. So try to think all all of the things that the developer once he wrote the code he didn't think of. Try mm-hmm. to apply the 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 creativity and and your curiosity mm-hmm. of like what would happen to the state if that if the transaction is being sent from, I don't know, from a smart contract, Mm -hmm. if I would, oh, here I have an external goal. What if I do something, enter another function, enter another contract, what happens to the state? And then Mm -hmm. you really try to apply your um, attack mindset thinking to find all those vulnerabilities. And Mm -hmm. sometimes when we have time, we also uh, write uh, fuzzing tests you know, okay. like using like a, a Chidna and yep. um, or Foundry to to fast the contract. But usually we see that the, the most value we can bring by just manually looking at the contract and trying to think with this kind of attacker mindset and find those uh, exploits. That's what differentiates you and other auditors is that you basically go for the criticals first, 
try and think of out of the box solutions to basically interacting with that contract and then going from there. Right. So I guess that's, that's the real mindset of like an elite hacker um, is just thinking of out, out of the box, creative ways to basically do what the dev was not intended. Even thinking of like, even thinking of what that was going, if that was even going to happen. Right. Like for example, if you're using a flash loan and you're borrowing millions of let's say tokens and inserting that into a pool, how does that affect your contract um, and are you accounting for, for something like that? Is that kind of right? Exactly. In it's the exact same thing in web two security. Once you write a web application, you create some kind of user flow or admin, admin flow. Uh, you think about the user, but you don't think what a malicious user yeah. would do. Right. Mm-hmm. So when the dev, so also when I, I, I'm a developer as well. So when I write code, I'm very paranoid and I'm trying to write the code in a way that will be secure. And I always try to think myself how I would exploit it. So sometimes mm-hmm. I have too many validations or like I, I, I work when I create a write code, it takes me much more time because I, I'm trying to design it in a secure way or make sure that the validations are sufficient. Mm-hmm. But most devs, they don't have this kind of knowledge. They don't have this kind yeah. of critical thinking this paranoid thinking and this is a thinking that I developed through the years because while I was defending system or sometimes doing penetration testing and trying to hack systems I always mm-hmm. think what the developer missed what did he miss in this web mm-hmm. server okay what if he didn't update his nginx server for a while what if when he created this kind of um, I don't know purchase process what if I can uh, bypass it or just don't pay for my product. So what if I can just create, send some inputs that will uh, trigger SQL injection or what if I can run, execute commands on the operating system? And Mm -hmm. this is the exact same critical thinking. And once you have the belief that developers make mistakes and they don't think mostly in this manner when when they write the code because they think only in the legitimate path, what a legitimate user would do, you see mm-hmm. that there are so many mistakes and so many vulnerabilities that you can find in smart contracts. A lot of developers, I know this from experience because I started with just Solidity development and I didn't know anything about cybersecurity and I was designing my contracts in a way where I was thinking about the user and not a malicious user. I think Owen did this exact same thing and then that's what made him get into, into Guardian audits. But yeah, it's extremely important to know what, the, what um, basically an adversary is going to do and what they're going to try and achieve, how they're going to steal and manipulate all the variables so it suits what they want. You can't just think about the user participating, but because there's going to be a user that wants to basically take over the whole contract right, and steal all the money. So you've got to think of this as well. And it's an incredibly important skill and it's not, it's not easy to learn, but people like Johnny make it much easier to get into and um, onboard yourself into that space. Yeah, so definitely learn cybersecurity, and it's it's actually a very exciting field as well, isn't it? It's not you know really boring. It's it's constantly changing and problem solving as well. Um, it's a different mindset for sure, but it's a it's a fun one. It, yeah, it's like PVP instead of I guess PVE with just normal development, right? But we are running out of time. Uh, Johnny, it's been a pleasure having you on and basically teaching us how to teach, right? <laughs> I think it's a, a very important skill to have um, in any aspect of life. And if you know how to teach, you're going to master what you're basically teaching, right? Um, the underlying content and knowledge, you're going to solidify that and be very, the very best of the best. And nobody can take that away from you. You're, you're going to even help others, which is very satisfying as well. And you'll build connections through that. So it's a it's an endless cycle of positivity and I think it's terrific what you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure and you are a great host. I really enjoyed uh, the time and I hope that the viewers also enjoyed and they learned something today. Oh, I'm sure they will, man. We'll definitely chat again soon, but until then, uh, take care. Thank you. You too.